When it comes to Shabbos, which is in this week's parasha, part of the Aseris Hadibrois, we know that Shabbos extends holiness on either side, a little bit before and a little bit after. The question is, is that something that we add to Shabbos or is it something that Shabbos adds to our week? We're going to learn this from the Mechilta. On the Pasuk in the Aseris Hadibrois, it says you should remember Shabbos in order to sanctify it. Is it a Mechilta? The Mechilta comments, Zohar v'shomer. We know that in Parshas Yisrael it says Zohar Shema Shabbos and in Parshas Vayischan it says Shomer. Both of those different variations of how Shabbos was presented, Shneim Nemru B'dibur Echad, were actually both said by Hashem simultaneously. And there are other examples in Mechilta quotes as well. Mechalalea Moisiu Mas, on the one hand, those who desecrate Shabbos, it's a capital offense. And on the other hand, that you're supposed to bring the, the special offerings on Shabbos, they also, says the Mechilta, were said by Hashem in a single utterance. And likewise, the prohibition against marrying the wife of one's brother, and the mitzvah of Yibum, to marry the widow of one's brother, God forbid, if he passed away without children, were also said in one utterance. And lastly, the prohibition against wearing clothing that have a mixture of wool and linen, were also both said in a single utterance. And the Mechilta concludes, something that humans are incapable of doing, as the Pasuk and Tilim says, that Debeshah said one thing and we heard two. So what's the message? Zohar and Shomar and various others were said, even though they seem to be totally different messages, in a single message and utterance. Then, Ulalon Mamshich Pemechilta, the Mechilta continues, Zohar Veshomer. It says Zohar, Esyom Shabbos, and then later on it says Shomer. So you've got the words Zohar Milefonov before the mitzvah of Shabbos, Veshomer Mileachrov, and the mitzvah of guarding Shabbos, to, which is not to desecrate Shabbos through the various Melochas after the word Shabbos. Mikanomru, from here we learn, Mesifin Mechol Al Hakodesh, that we add part of the Shabbos holiness into the mundanity of the week. And that is Moshe Lizeev, that is comparable to a wolf, that grabs its prey from both in front of it and from behind it. Another version says, that it's busy with its prey in front and after. We're going to go with Torah. Now we need to understand something because Yodua, we know that whenever there are various commentaries on a single word or or a single message, con- concept, all the various commentaries must be related. Especially when you did done in our example, it's one mechilta, one expression of a whole lot of different things. So in Cain, we must ask ourselves, What is the link between the first statement of the Mechilta, which is a series of examples of things in the Torah that were said in a simultaneous statement? What's the link between that? To remember Shabbos and to guard Shabbos and the placement of those words to teach us what is the link between parts of the Torah where two different instructions were given in the same breath with the idea that Shabbos extends into the weekday on either side. Now in order to understand that we're going to spend some time on the second comment this idea of Shabbos extending into the weekday and try and understand how it works. Let's understand what the Mechilta explains. That the word Zohar precedes the instruction about Shabbos in Yisrael, and then the word Shomer follows the instruction when we come across it again in Boishanan. 
So what we're going to notice and what's important to us is the fact that the Mechilta derives the principle of expanding Shabbos into the week from the words that you should remember Shabbos. Mashman then implies that the perspective of the Mechilta is that the principle of adding holiness to the otherwise mundane Friday and Saturday night is something which is very much intrinsic to and about Shabbos. Now that's interesting. So we need to understand because the principle of adding to holy times on the calendar applies also in Yom Kippur where we take the fast in before it technically begins and we keep it out uh, longer after it officially ends. And like us with Yom Tev, we take Yom Tev in earlier. Abeloshen habraisa b'gemorah, as the gebraisa quoted in the gemorah, both in Rosh Hashanah and Yuma says, kol melkem shenema shavus, any time that the Torah speaks about rest, which includes Shabbos and Yontav and Yom Kippur, always moisifim mechol al-akodesh, it means that we have to expand the holiness and the rest day into the regular weekday. So why then does the mechilta seem to imply that this is something unique to Shabbos when the brisa and the gemorah clearly says it applies equally to Yom Tev and to Yom Kippur? Now, we should definitely not mistake this to mean that the Mechilta was just bringing some support from a Pasuk and a Torah to a concept which we all accept, which is to add to the regular days of the week some of the element of Shabbos and Yom Tov. Because if you look in the context, the Mechilta is quoting a various different ways of interpreting Psukim, none of which is intended just simply to support a concept, but rather they're intended to teach us the practical halacha. And so therefore we have to assume that here too, the Mechilta understands that Zohar's Yom HaShabbos, the Kachai, is the source of the law that we add extra time to Shabbos. Let's just look at the examples that the Mechilta uses. From the fact that Zohar and Shomar were both said in the same breath. We learn that there is a Torah obligation for women to participate in Kiddush. Because the logic is anybody who is required to follow the laws of Shmira, in other words, not to break any of the 39 types of work that are forbidden on Shabbos, is equally obligated to remember Shabbos, which means to make Kiddush. In other words, the Mechilta is taking the words of the Pasuk, Zohar and Shomer, and learning from it a practical halacha. Likewise, the fact that it says, he who desecrates Shabbos, it's a capital offense, and then says, and there are certain offerings we bring on Shabbos. And likewise, the prohibition against marrying the or being with the wife of one's brother and yet the mitzvah of Yibum and the proximity of the prohibition against shatnas blends of wool and linen and the mitzvah to wet tzitzis which the Mechilta says all of those were said in one breath teach us practical halachas Number one, Akravas Tomid Bashabas, that you bring the carbon tomid even though it is Shabbos, and Shechting is something you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. Yibum, the fact that a person marries the widow of his deceased brother. Vikilayim Batsitsis, and that it's permissible to have permissible to have a blend of wool and linen when making tzitzis. These are all practical halochas. And then there are other 
uh, drushes, yeah, examinations of the psukim that, that appear later in the Mechilta, which we haven't yet quoted, like for example, that a person should constantly remember Shabbos, that as Shammai teaches us, if you find something that's a nice food, keep it for Shabbos, even if it's much earlier in the week. And another one, the interpretation of Rabbi Yitzchak, which is, we don't count the days of the week like other cultures do, but we're supposed to count every single day of the week with a reference to Shabbos. Sunday, first day from Shabbos. Monday, second day from Shabbos. In Edin Zesh, so this principle that you have to remember Shabbos throughout the week, at least according to the view of the Ramban, is mitzvah a positive mitzvah. So the context of the Mechilta is analyzing Psukim and deriving from them practical mitzvahs that apply. So we dare not suggest, it would be a real stretch to suggest, that the idea of adding extra time to Shabbos, which is part of this wealth of conversations around how to interpret Psukim and derive practical halacha, that this one here, is only just a support to a notion we already know that you add extra time to Shabbos, but not to be derived from the Psukim. That wouldn't make sense. It is in the Pasuk. And therefore, we're back to our question, why would the Mechilta seem to indicate that this is something special about Shabbos, where in practice we know that it applies to Yontav and to Yom Kippur as well, that we add extra time on both ends, before it begins and after it concludes. Now, the easiest way to try and explain this would be to say, well, because the Bryce and the Mechilta are actually arguing about whether the halacha applies to Yontav or not. Perhaps you could suggest. This is the debate between the Mechilta and the kodesh. And the Mechilta insists, actually, that it's not every type of holiday that gets extra time, it's only Shabbos. Maybe you'd want to answer that, but we prefer to diminish as much as possible clashes and differences of opinions. And we don't look to find reasons to say that classical sources argue. And therefore, it's really not a logical suggestion to innovate such a radical suggestion. That the Mechilta argues against the Brisa in terms of the practical halacha, whether or not Yom Tov deserves extra time. Whether the whole concept of Tosefes only applies on Shabbos or the other days. So therefore we must conclude that the real, the real distinction over here between the Mechilta and the Brisa quoted in the Gemara is how we understand the meaning of the Psukim. The practical application will be the same according to everybody. You add extra time to Yom Tov just as you do on Shabbos. But how are you to understand the Psukim? That's where there's divergence between the Brisa and the Mechilta. And if you have Brisa, as far as the Brisa is concerned, the fact that you add extra time to Shabbos and Yom Tov and Yom Kippur is all derived from the Pasuk about Yom Kippur, may erev, ad erev, that you start already to fast before, the, 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 before it's actually nightfall. Whereas the Mechilta's view is There's something extra about the additional time for Shabbos that doesn't apply on Yom Kippur and on Yom Tov. And this additional factor we learn from a different Pasuk, the Pasuk in the Aseris Adibra is about Shabbos. Whereas the Brisa says there's nothing distinct about the way we add extra time to Shabbos and therefore Vadovan of 
And therefore the Brisa says we learn the law of adding extra time to Shabbos from the same place as everywhere else which is the Halacha of Yom Kippur. So this is what we have to understand. What is the Mechil to seeing as being unique about Shabbos? So the clue is, the Mechilta alludes to what's unique about Shabbos by telling us that it's like the example of a wolf, which incidentally is different to various other parables that various other commentators use to try and explain this principle. That grabs or tears its prey from what is in front of it and from what is behind it. And that's supposed to represent Shabbos. That takes a piece of Friday and takes a piece of Matzah Shabbos. Because the truth is, when you think about it, and many of the commentators ask this question, why, knowing that it's compared to a wolf, will it help us to understand the concept any better? That's what we're going to unpack now. Now, in order to unpack this, we're going to look at three possible ways of how this thing works, that Shabbos encroaches on the week. The explanation is this. Din the principle that Shabbos will add into the, day, the weekday and, and, and sort of capture part of the weekday and make it holy. There are three possibilities of how this works. Two are similar and one is completely distinct. Aleph number one, the one possibility is that we as individuals are expected to make a conscious choice each week to add time to our Shabbos. Which means, that we'll add extra time that we don't do any of the 39 types of prohibited work. Now, practically, if it's up to us to make that decision, if we didn't do it, and one Shabbos we didn't add the extra time, we would be permitted technically to continue to do the forbidden types of work on Shabbos literally until after sunset. That's one possibility. It's completely in our hands. Or there's another possibility. The second possibility is it's not up to the individual. So even if the individual did not personally accept this commitment to extra Shabbos, the Torah will impose onto that person extra time where that person may not actually do any of the melachis. In other words, that would mean that the Torah prohibits work a little bit of extra time even before Shabbos begins. Now what these two have in common, both of these would say that the responsibility of adding time to Shabbos is a responsibility that is obligated for the person to do. It's just two ways that that could work out. Either either it is a person's choice to fulfill the requirement he has as an individual to add time to Shabbos. Or we impose this restriction on him. It's a restriction on him whether he likes it or not. So those two are really similar. The third possibility is radically different. It's not something we do. It's not even something that the Torah makes us do. It's a natural consequence of Shabbos. Of a signal in Hayadua, to put it into classic halachic terminology, 
the entity of Shabbos naturally impacts both the time that precedes and that follows it. In other words, the holiness of Shabbos seeps out on either side, and therefore, obviously, it is actual Shabbos a few minutes before and a few minutes after, which is why we're not allowed to do work at those times. So knowing that these are the three possibilities, we can understand where the Mechilte is coming from and why it's such a radical insight that distinguishes, in the Mechilte's view, Shabbos from Yom Tev and Yom Kippur. The idea of adding extra time to Shabbos and Yom Tev, as described in the Gemara, Yuma, Rosh Hashanah, etc., in the Brisa. The Gemara proposes it as an instruction to the person. It's a Chiyuv Gavra. The person has a responsibility and listen to the language of how the Bryce has said it. Kol mokem shenei mashfus. Any time in the Torah where it spoke about rest, which is Shabbos, Yom Tov, and Yom Kippur, Moisifin mechol alakodesh, the individual has to add, Moisifin, we add, from the holiness into the regular days. Zeodin b'shvises ha'odam, in other words, it's a halacha that applies to how much you have to rest. When the Torah says rest, Rest a little extra. That there's an imperative from the Torah to the human being that the human being has to already start to rest even before Shabbos comes in. In other words, not do those various kinds of, of work and remain resting after Shabbos technically ends and still not do that work. That's the Bryce's approach. Whereas the Mechilta sees it completely differently. There's a far deeper concept in how you add extra time on Shabbos to how it is on Yom Tov and on Yom Kippur. It's not up to us to make a choice or for the Torah to choose for us that we may not work. Shabbos impacts those time frames and changes them. But that concept that can only be conveyed uh, like really effectively through the mushal used which is mushal the parable of the wolf that's tearing its prey on either side in the case of the wolf the wolf is the one ripping away the prey well, it's the same thing with Shabbos. Shabbos is yanking away part of Friday and it's yanking away part of Saturday night and making it its prey, so to speak. It's, well, obviously it's much more positive, part of its holiness. Now, this detail is reflected in how the Mechilta went around uh, explaining the Pasuk. What the Mechilta does is not like the Brisa, where we learn about Shabbos from words in the case of Yom Kippur. Rather, the Mechilta is saying, look at the words of Shabbos itself. There's Zohar, there's a positive thing you have to do to commemorate Shabbos. And there's Shomer, there are things you have to decline from doing in order to preserve the holiness of Shabbos. And both of them are mitzvahs, and both of them are Torah-based mitzvahs. Mashenkin Leshita Unlike the approach of the Gemara, where the idea of Tosefes Shabbos, Tosefes Yom Tov, and Tosefes Yom Kippur are all derived from the laws of Yom Kippur, where we're learning that you have to start the fast of Yom Kippur even while it is still light outside before sunset. We learn that from the Pasuk that says you start to afflict yourself already when it's still the ninth of Tishrei. 
By calling it the ninth of Tishrei, you're highlighting that it's not Yom Kippur, which means that the, the fact that you're fasting and not working is not because it is Yom Kippur, it's because of a choice you're making or something the Torah has imposed on you. Why then does the Mechilta believe that this uniqueness of Shabbos, that it impacts the time frame around it, which Yom Tov doesn't and Yom Kippur doesn't? Well, that makes sense because there's a fundamental difference between how Shabbos and Yom Tov operate. There's a fundamental difference between the nature of the holiness of Shabbos and that of, of Yom Tov and Yom Kippur. Because Shabbos, as we know, is Mikdash of Shabbos is holy regardless of what we do. It is intrinsically a holy day of the week. By virtue of the fact that it is Shabbos. We don't make Shabbos holy. So therefore, logically, if the holiness of Shabbos is intrinsic, then the holiness that seeps out from Shabbos into the week must be due to the intrinsic nature of Shabbos. Unlike Yom Tov or Yom Kippur, where it's up to us as Jewish people to determine the date on the calendar that's going to be Yom Tov, and then we make the day holy, or Memela, so the logic follows, the additional holiness of Yom Kippur or of Yom Tev is not something which happens of its own accord, but rather, because the day is intrinsically holy, but it's up to us to make it holy, just like it's up to us to make Yom Tev holy in the first place. Now this is going to have practical applications for us. There will be practical halachic differences between the approach of the Mechilta versus the approach of the Gemara. Here's some examples. Practical application. Taking the approach of the Gemara, which is that we get to add the value to the extra hours or minutes of Shabbos and Yantav. It's one uniform responsibility to add holiness, whether it be Shabbos, Yom Tov, or Yom Kippur. Because whenever the Torah uses the word rest, that includes the obligation to extend the rest beyond the official times. It's a single mitzvah to the person. And that single mitzvah has various applications. It's one mitzvah that you could do on Shabbos, and you could do it on Yom Tov, and you could do it on Yom Kippur. That's why the source for all three scenarios where you add extra time is from one Pasuk. Because it's a single instruction. That's how the Gemara sees it. One mitzvah with three applications. Whereas the approach of the Mechilta is The fact that Shabbos should have additional time is unique to the mitzvah of Shabbos. But to add time to Yom Kippur or to Yom Tov is a separate, different instruction and different mitzvah. Now what's the practical application of that? Because the Shittas Hashas, this is a fascinating distinction. If you go with the approach of the Gemara, adding extra time to Shabbos is a positive mitzvah. 
Now that's got a practical application. Let's say that a person did one of the activities which you're not allowed to do on Shabbos during the time of the bonus time of Shabbos. After the person has agreed that I'm going to add extra time to Shabbos. Or regardless of the person's attitude, because it's imposed on them by the Torah, fitting the two different approaches we said before. So a person that says, I'm going to take in Shabbos 10 minutes early. And then within those 10 minutes, flips the light switch. That person has now just lost the positive mitzvah. The mitzvah. That's what the Pasuk says, right? That's when you should rest. You should rest. You didn't rest. You lost the opportunity to do a positive mitzvah. And as the Gemara, they said, any time that the word shvus, rest, is used, you're supposed to add extra time, and you didn't. Whereas if you take the approach on the Mechilta, where it is Shabbos that has now extended into those extra minutes of Friday, Shabbos, then if a person works during that extra time, then it is like they have broken Shabbos itself, which has both the positive and and the negative, the person has broken a positive commandment to rest, and they've broken a negative commandment not to work, because it's Shabbos itself that has extended into that space. Now, let's be a little bit more precise here. Based on a principle we already quoted before, which is we prefer not to find reasons to say that people disagree. You would have expected to say You would have expected that the Gemara actually agrees with the philosophy of the Mechilta That Shabbos itself expands into the extra time on Friday and Motzei Shabbos and then we'd want to say that the Gemara just adds another layer to that that not only is Shabbos automatically in the space of Friday and Motzei Shabbos but actually you as a person should do something about it and actively accept Shabbos earlier and you might say mm, that sounds a little bit of a stretch if Shabbos fundamentally includes some extra time on either side, my Yosef you might say, what is the value or the purpose if I believe that Shabbos extends into the week? Why do you, I believe that I have to do something about it? But you could, you could wiggle your way out of that because we could explain. Look at Shabbos itself. Shabbos is holy regardless. If we do absolutely nothing, Shabbos is holy. And yet the Torah tells us we have to do things to make Shabbos holy. Say Kiddush, Daven, or at least say in, in the words of Davening that today is a special day. And you can apply it here as well. Maybe the Gemara believes that even though the extended time of Shabbos is intrinsically holy, but still the person should actually do something proactively and designate the time as Tosefa Shabbos. So you'd want to say that and you'd want to align the Gemara or the Brisa at least with the Mechilta nicely, but the Avali Efshad and Farish it actually doesn't work. 
Because listen to what the Gemara said. It emphasized. Every time that the Torah speaks about rest is the same halacha, the same obligation. Which tells us three things. Aleph number one. From the Gemara's perspective. The Gemara is firstly telling us that the idea of having additional Shabbos time is a concept of not working it's rather than it's not a responsibility to designate it as holy as we wanted to say. Number two, the Gemara is making it abundantly clear that its view is that it's the same process, be it a Shabbos, a Yom Tov, or Yom Kippur, which of course wouldn't be the case if we argue that the Gemara believes also that Shabbos has an intrinsic holiness that extends which would then mean that the concept of adding extra time to Shabbos is very different to the concept of adding time to Yom Tov and Yom Kippur. Shabbos, you'd add time because Shabbos itself is intrinsically holy even on the fringes of time on either side, whereas on Yom Tov and Yom Kippur, it's, it's only something we do. In other words, we'd be saying that on Shabbos, really Shabbos is okay, but you should at least acknowledge it in a proactive way. Whereas on Yom Kippur or Yom Tov, you have to make the, hol- excuse me, the holiness. How would that fit with the Gemara saying they're all the same? And Gim over Iker, the, the, the most obvious reason why the Brisa and the Mechilta cannot possibly be saying identical things is because Apoiskim Kedal HaShulchanoruch all halachic authorities, including the Shulchan Aruch, Poskul all say that the practical halacha follows the brisa, which is mitzvah that there is a mitzvah where the Torah expects us proactively to add extra time to Shabbos. And no halachic authority ever discusses the possibility that a person transgresses if they actually do a melacha during the extra time of Shabbos. So therefore that implies that it's not it's not that in practical halachic terms we believe that Shabbos in its intrinsic holiness expands into other periods before and after Shabbos that are intrinsically holy. So it's pretty clear then that the Gemara does not actually share the same philosophical approach as the Mechilta. So you look at the language, you look at the context, you look at the intention of the Gemara, it's pretty clear that the Gemara sees the additional time of Shabbos as a human input, a human responsibility, and not something which is intrinsic because of the nature of Shabbos. Okay, so we have to conclude that the Bryce and the Mechilta do look at the concept of Tosefa Shabbos from different perspectives. Let's go back to the perspective of the Mechilta, which is really what we're analyzing. Based on how we've explained the Mechilta, that the Mechilta sees Shabbos as having intrinsic holiness, which also then spreads to a time frame before and after Shabbos and makes those time frames intrinsically holy. Now we can go back to link up 
the conversation about the wolf-like nature of Shabbos grabbing pieces on either side to the concept of Zohar and Shomer and the others that were all said in one breath. Why is it relevant to get into all these other conversations about other laws that have nothing to do with Shabbos that all ostensibly were shared in the same breath? Why is that relevant to the story of Shabbos and specifically to Sefer Shabbos? So in explaining what the Mechilta wants us to know about these different phrases or instructions in Torah that were said in a single breath, the commentaries tell us, This is a fascinating principle in Halacha. It's a mind-blowing principle. That in these scenarios, if there is an apparent clash between what the Torah prohibits, like Shatnas, and what the Torah instructs, like Tzitzis, it is a scenario where the positive requirement to make Tzitzis neutralizes the prohibition against Shatnas that if, as if it had never existed. Here's another example. To shecht and bring and burn the two Kvasim of the Tamid that are brought in the morning and evening of Shabbos, it's not that you're breaking Shabbos, but it's okay, it's permitted because the Torah requires those offerings. It's as if when the prohibition against breaking Shabbos was given originally, it had a clause built into it. That if this particular mitzvah has to be performed, the mitzvah of the Tamid, then the prohibition against slaughter never applied in the first place. Saying it in different words. To bring the communal offerings on Shabbos is not just simply because, well, this is a day that has certain obligatory offerings, the Musaf, which is unique to Shabbos, the Tamid, which is every single day. And because they have to be done, then the fact that these mitzvahs have to be performed will override the fact that there's a prohibition against slaughtering an animal or burning. Okay, one of the classic halachic debates, is Shabbos overridden or is it completely permissible? In other words, it's not even considered a problem. Rather, and here's the chap, when there is an instruction in the Torah that says, do not slaughter an animal on Shabbos, it never included the animals that had to be slaughtered as part of the communal sacrifices on Shabbos. That's why both things were said in the same breath. To illustrate to us that the prohibition is bound up with and is contingent on being able to fulfill this mitzvah. And the same would apply to the others, right? When we're told don't have shatnas, part of that prohibition is except if it's tzitzis. So it's in one breath, one message, one, one mission. It's following on from that, that the Mechilta says, that we learn that you're supposed to add extra time to Shabbos and it's compared to the wolf. Because the Mechilta wants us to see that it's along the same lines. It's not that I have an obligation to add something to Shabbos. It's part and parcel of Shabbos. Just like bringing the Tmidim on Shabbos is part of the mitzvah of Shabbos, including part of the prohibition against slaughter. Part of Shabbos is that part of being Shabbos is that it extends <coughs> to extra time on either side.
Let's take that deeper. Boy, Mekyoser. The fact that the Mechilta brought the way we interpret the concept of adding to, <coughs> to Shabbos. Straight after telling us the principle of things that Hashem said in a single breath. The, the Mechilta is actually giving us a whole new depth to understanding what is meant by this wolf that tears its prey both in front and after it. W- what is it trying to say? Because what we've just explained that Hashem had to say certain things in the same breath to show that it's intrinsic into the one mitzvah that you should be able to fulfill the other mitzvah is still not absolutely clear. Because if you want to tell me that there is a clause built into a particular mitzvah like, for example, there's a clause built into the prohibition against slaughtering an animal on Shabbos that says, unless it is a communal offering of the Talmud or the Musaf. So, to teach us that, that the positive mitzvah is actually like a, a, a key clause of the prohibition. Well, then, they could have been said one after the other, like any normal, like I've just said it. I don't have the capacity to say two things at once. So I say, the law is, you may not slaughter on Shabbos, except, and, and everybody would agree that that's a, a valid way to put in a clause, a restrictive clause into a law. Why did David have to do something completely supernatural and say the two opposing statements in a single breath, both in Bilti Rogel, something that is so unusual, that a human could ever do? So there's a deeper layer to this. The fact that two opposing statements are shared by the Ebishter in a single breath is because the Ebishter wants us to know it's not as simple as saying there is a clause within the prohibition against shechting or marrying the wife of one's brother or putting shatnas. We have a clause that says, but if there's a mitzvah that has to be proactively fulfilled, we'll ignore this restriction. It's far deeper than that. The content and meaning of the prohibition and the content and the meaning of the positive mitzvah are one. Meaning, because the holiness of Shabbos is a single concept, which is expressed in various details. One of the ways that you show the holiness of Shabbos is by not breaking Shabbos and that it's a capital offense to break Shabbos. Avoiding those 39 categories of work is the honor and sanctifying of Shabbos. Therefore, he by bringing the communal offerings on Shabbos, not only is that an acceptable way to sanctify Shabbos, not only is that a clause within the laws of Shabbos, but that is part of the idea of not breaking Shabbos. You don't break Shabbos to honor Shabbos. And here, you know, how do you honor Shabbos by not shechting animals? And by shechting these animals, you do the same thing. You honor Shabbos. Now, 
It's not just that if you skip those karbonos, you'll be missing the mitzvah of those communal offerings. B'Shabbos on Shabbos. And it's a begedem echaloleho. If you don't bring those offerings, you're desecrating Shabbos. Chilul Shabbos. And we say, move in Bishar And of course, you can extrapolate out to the other examples that Michilta brought. And that's a fascinating insight that there are two possible ways to fulfill the same thing. Not slaughtering meat for your own meal is honoring Shabbos. Slaughtering animals for Hashem's meal, a korban, is also honoring Shabbos. And if you don't do it, it's breaking Shabbos. With that in mind, we can say, by putting together these two concepts that the Mechilta is explaining, things that Hashem said in a single breath, and the concept of how Shabbos impacts both before and after, they're next to each other. So we could better understand the concept of how Shabbos nabs pieces from the weekdays. We shouldn't misunderstand that Shabbos has two distinct elements to it. Firstly, there's Shabbos, which is an inherently holy day that begins at sundown on Friday and ends with three stars and Motzei Shabbos. And then, in addition to that, some other technology, some other mechanism by which Shabbos influences the time before it or, or afterwards. Rather, we need to understand that is the holiness of Shabbos. The holiness of Shabbos plays out in two different ways. What makes Shabbos holy is the 24 hours of classical Shabbos together with the additional time of Shabbos, which is part of the same Kedusha. And this actually has a practical application too. Allah, firstly, So are you allowed to make Kiddush in the extra, the early time? You say you bring in Shabbos early. Are you allowed to make Kiddush? And secondly, If you're going to say that Shabbos is one continuum, the way we originally understood it, which is that there are two elements that work in conjunction, Shabbos and the expansion of Shabbos, well, then there are two totally different things, much like there's a prohibition against shechting an animal, which is one concept, and there's a mitzvah to bring a korban, tomid and a musaf at Shabbos, which is a different concept. But the way we're now understanding it, which is that the additional time of Shabbos is equally part of Shabbos, is exactly the same as Raiva Deraivan. It's got exactly the same holiness as Shabbos. Then then as we've pointed out, the extra additional time of Shabbos is part and parcel of the fundamental principle of what Shabbos is and the fundamental holiness of Shabbos. Now this concept, this is exactly what the point of the marshal of the wolf is. What Mechilta wants us to understand, which we wouldn't have known otherwise, it's not just that the wolf tears its own prey from whatever's in front of it, behind it, and it's not fed. Which would translate in Shabbos, not only is it telling us that Shabbos makes the difference to the extra time, but the way that, an, that a wolf eats 
we even use the expression to wolf it down, is that it grabs and tears and rips and eats. Haragam and the grabbing is part of the eating. That's the point. That's how a wolf eats. You don't put the food down in front of the wolf and then it eats. Part of its eating is that it grabs. That's exactly how it works with Shabbos as well. It's not that there's extra time before Shabbos and it adds value to Shabbos. But that is how you do Shabbos. The way Shabbos works, the intrinsic holiness of Shabbos, is that it includes time before and after. Now, the Tzemach Tzedek in Or HaTorah on this parasha links the concept, quite obviously, to the bracha to, to Binyamin. Binyamin is a vitraf which speaks about the Mizbech. So we're going to learn something also about how the Mizbech operates, which is similar to how Shabbos operates. The links this particular Mechilta's uh, example of the, of the wolf grabbing and how it relates to adding time to Shabbos. He links it to the Pasuk of the Brocha to Binyamin that he'd be like this, this wolf that, that grabs, that tears its prey. Which the Gemara identifies is actually telling us about the Mizbeach because the Mizbeach, at least the external Mizbeach where the Karbonis were brought, was in the portion that belonged to Binyamin. And therefore the Mizbeach is actually called a wolf. The Medrash says, just like the, the uh, wolf grabs, so the Mizbeach grabs our Karbonis and elevates them to Hashem. So that's a more kind of a mystical kind of insight. But what the Tzemach Tzedek writes in Torah, which may be a little bit more spiritual than Mizbeach, grabs and elevates the, the food, has to play out in the more revealed elements of Torah as well. We could actually explain everything about what the Mechilta describes about how Shabbos behaves like the wolf that grabs what's in front of it and grabs what's behind it. is all very much what, it, what happens with a Mizbeach as well. Just as we've described, that Shabbos grabs some of the weekday time, which is not intrinsically holy, and turns it holy. So we're going to see a similar thing that a, the Mizbech is able to, able to grab something that actually shouldn't be holy and turn it holy. What is that? Ashagam korban posel, the halacha is that if a korban was put onto the Mizbeach, but it was actually disqualified and should never be put on the Mizbeach, im ola lo yereit. If it's already been placed on the Mizbeach, we don't take it off, even though it doesn't belong there. It's not holy. Shloima. Now we've gone into tremendous detail to explain that the Mechilta is saying it's not just that Shabbos also has an effect on the time before Shabbos and the time after it and allows it to become holy, but rather that part of Shabbos being Shabbos is the fact that it sucks in some of the week to become Shabbos too. Same kind of principle will apply to our comparison between how the Mizbech grabs a korban to the way a wolf devours its prey. Then in practical the fact that if a, a, an inappropriate, a disqualified korban landed up on the Mizbech, we don't remove it, 
is not simply a law about Karbonos, it's actually a law about the Mizbeach. So the Gemara extracts from the Pasuk, Pasuk that we read in our daily davening, that the Oilah has to go onto the Mizbech, Oilah offering, and then the Mizbech sanctifies that animal. Says the Gemara, what's that teaching us? The reason that the disqualified animal that landed up on the Mizbech doesn't come off is because the Mizbeach made it holy. As Rashi describes it. The Mizbeach has the capacity to sanctify even something that is disqualified. And landed up accidentally on the Mizbeach. The Mizbeach has the power to sanctify it and turn it into its bread, meaning to say something that belongs on the Mizbeach. And you don't remove it. In other words, what's it saying? The fact that if an inappropriate, disqualified carbon landed up on the Mizbech, we don't remove it. That is not a law about the process of how you offer animals on a Mizbech. And if you made a mistake, leave it. In other words, as if the Torah was telling us, if you mistakenly put this animal onto the Mizbech, we now impose on you a law that says, don't remove it. In fact, it's not even telling us that the Torah says, if you mistakenly put that animal onto the Mizbech, we now obligate you to let it burn. And not only that, but not only are we saying that the Mizbech has some kind of magical power that touches this animal and therefore you may not take it. You're not allowed to take it off. We're saying something more profound. Part of the laws of how the Mizbech opera- operates, which means part of the definition of the nature of the Mizbech is the holiness of the Mizbech, which is intrinsic, like the holiness of Shabbos, which is intrinsic. Whatever it touches makes it as holy. Is able to nab something which, by definition, has no remote connection to a mizbech, doesn't belong on a mizbech. And then, because the mizbech has now made it as holy as the mizbech itself, as I that's why you're not allowed to remove it. Because it has become holy. Not because the law says, do not remove it, because it was part of a process. It is holy. It now deserves to be on the mizbech. Right? Our thinking was, it doesn't deserve to be there, but there's nothing you can do. You accidentally put it there so the lawyers don't take it. No, it now deserves to be on the mizbech. Like Shabbos, the time before Shabbos now deserves to be part of Shabbos. But still we don't have the fullest picture, Shaharei, for three reasons. First of all, this is a little different to Shabbos. Shabbos automatically touches Friday and Motzeh Shabbos. This animal is only part of the conversation if it accidentally landed up on the Mizbeach. It's not exactly like we described about Shabbos, where there's this natural in- influence of Shabbos onto the time before and afterwards. Number two, 
Here you also don't really see the principle of grabbing before and after. You know, Shabbos you see it. Friday comes before Shabbos and it gets grabbed into the holiness. Motzei Shabbos comes after Shabbos and it gets grabbed into the holiness. Here we're not really seeing that. We're just seeing an item that lands it up on the Mizbech and it gets grabbed into the holiness. And lastly, Gimel Veker, most importantly, in Yenzeh, the principle that if something enters the, the sphere of the Mizbeach and now becomes holy, it's not something which is only applicable to the external Mizbeach, which is the one that the Gemara calls the wolf. And it can't be Mizbeach Apanimi. The truth is it would apply to the internal golden Mizbeach as well. And of a Chol Klei Hashores, anything that landed up in any of the utensils that are designated for holiness in the Beis Amikdash. The other rabbi, in fact, when you're talking about the internal Mizbech, Shom Afyashna Yusrim Bedavar, might actually be more powerful and more effective than the wolf Mizbech. Because Mizbech Apnimi Mekadesh Psulim, Bein Ru'uyen Loi, Bein She'enon Ru'uyen Loi. The unique nature of the golden Mizbech is if something lands up on that Mizbech that should never have been on any Mizbech. Remember, the golden Mizbech is not for animals, it's for Keturus. Let's say something that is not Keturus lands up on the Mizbech, it would be sanctified. Whereas in order for something to be sanctified on the external Mizbech, it would have to be something which is in the world of Korbanos. It would have to be a kosher animal, one of the species that we use. It would have to have been prepared in a particular way, etc. So it's not exactly the same. So to understand this, this subtle distinction between the Mizbeach and how it behaves and Shabbos and how it behaves in spite of the fact that they are similar. So to understand that, let's look at the Pasuk and how it describes what happens with Binyam. And it says, That he'll be like this devouring wolf that eats its fill in the morning and splits the extras or the, the, the spoils in the evening. The Medrash comments on that. After the Medrash tells us that in the same way as the, the wolf grabs its prey, so the Mizbech grabs the animals and elevates them. The Medrash says that when it says that he'll eat his fill in the morning, that's referring to the Tomid offering that was brought every morning. When it speaks about him sharing the spoils in the evening, that refers to the Tamid offering that was brought at the end of everything else that happened at the time of the procedure in the, in the Beis HaMikdash. In other words, what that's telling us is that you can only do Karbonois during daytime hours. As we learn from the Pasuk that says, on the day that Hashem commanded Moshe Rabbeinu about all the laws of Karbonis. And yet, we do see that the fats and the limbs of the animals that were brought as Karbonis on the Mizbech were left to burn through the night, which is Le'acharov. After the day is over, after the Avoid is over, after the Mizbech's function is officially shut down for the day. This is after the concluding procedure of the daily Mizbech routine, which is the afternoon Tamit. And likewise, clearing away the ashes on the Mizbech. That had to happen every single morning before you began using the Mizbech. Aha! So the Mizbeach does have something that happens 
after its official time is over and before its official time begins, like Shabbos. That brings holiness before its official time begins and extends holiness after its official time ends. The fact that both the Torah, the Gomorrah and the Medrash give us a picture that the Mizbech is compared to this devouring wolf gives us insight that the clearing off of the Mizbech in the morning before you start and the leaving of the extra pieces to burn through the night is not an addendum to the Mizbech. That is part of the Mizbech's job and part of its holiness. The Mizbeach, like the wolf, like Shabbos, grabs something that doesn't look like it belongs to it and makes it part of its reality. In other words, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate completion of what the Mizbeach is all about, which of course is bringing Karbonas during the day, can only really work if we're doing the other parts that happen before and after operating hours. Not only is it a practical thing that if you don't get through burning everything during the day, you let it burn into the night, but actually we're supposed to dafka, leave things to burn into the night. As a a dig, you know, as, as honored to, to the Ebershah, that the Mizbech should never be um, unused or not operational. So what we're seeing over here is a fascinating chiddush that the Rebbe gives us. Firstly, the principle that Shabbos brings inherent intrinsic holiness to the rest of the, well, at least to the periods that precede and follow it. That's not just like a nice to have and let's add a little bit of extra Shabbos, but also and possibly even more profoundly that the Mizbeach extends its purpose and holiness way beyond the things that we would normally associate as being the role of the Mizbeach into the time before and, into, and afterwards. And, and possibly there's a lesson for us in that to, to extend holiness into parts of our lives that don't necessarily always appear to be aligned with holiness. And then to understand that if we do so, as we're supposed to, it adds value as if those areas of our life are intrinsically holy.